You're listening to the Geekscape Network. Time to fire up the VCR. This one's my favorite. Welcome to Analog Jones in the Temple of Film. I'm Steve, and this is a VHS podcast that looks at the box art trailers behind the scenes. And my two homies, my compadres coming with me is Brad and Chris. Brad, like always, who's this podcast brought to us by? We got a new sponsor now. It is brought to us by Pickleball Justice Law Firm. Did Big Pickleball leave you with a need for a new hip, a damaged knee, or a mental illness? Did you know pickleball injuries may cost the U.S. almost $400 million in 2023? It's not your fault. You're damaged, not broken. Come get paid and show Big Pickleball who's boss. A great read and very informative. Yeah, that $400 million is not me making this up. Normally we just make up our own facts here, but that $400 million is actually something we read in, a, in an article. We researched? Hmm. Well, Brad researched. <laughs> <laughs> I found it on the internet, so, you know, it's true. Absolutely. Especially if it's from a really sketchy news company. It's definitely true then. That's the only news out there. Chris, we'll talk about it later on, but it was fun to meet you in person. Yeah, I know. That was a blast. I know. It was an absolute blast. Uh, it'll be next week when we go through our nerd news. We'll go through all of the, the dead formats uh, convention that we went to. But yeah, it was awesome to meet you in person to see all your tattoos. By the way, if you ever hear Chris be like, oh, my tattoos suck, blah, blah, blah. They're not as they're not that bad. He's a liar. <laughs> to people that have them, they're bad. Okay. To people who don't have them, I was like, well, maybe you gave me a false sense of, you know, like what I expected. They're not scratcher in a living room bad. They're just apprentices and not taken care of bad. Okay. Well, I, I didn't see any like horrible scars from it or like, mm -mm. <laughs> so. All right, Chris, what do we watch this week for our last of the Canadian-themed movies? We watched 1984's Ghostbuster. Woo, who you got to call? Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Oh, I love this. I mean, I love this movie. I watched it right when we announced it. <laughs> they were going to do Canada, and I picked it. So, and then I just watched it again on in the background. <laughs> I, I brought it with trying to watch it with you guys. It just didn't work out. No, when we went to the convention, you know, just like time kind of went by really fast. And we had a lot of, you know, uh, newbie issues. Yeah, poor, <laughs> poor planning also. Yeah. Just, yeah. it's, it, if we're going to sit down and do stuff together, I think that's the goal of it is to sit down and do stuff together. And it was Not tropical heat time. there too. I mean, you're yeah. thinking Indianapolis, it's a little bit farther north, man. No, no, that was tropical heat going on there. <laughs> 98 degrees, buddy. Yeah, it was, man, that, that sun fried us. You could just see it in our faces after we ate food and we're just back at that. It's just like, just like drain. I ate so much. And then that coffee, I was like, oh no, I don't <laughs> feel good. Oh, all right. Back to Ghostbusters. Brad, why don't you bring us our quick facts? All right. Quick facts. Directed by Ivan Reitman from Canada. Written by Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis. Distributed by Columbia Pictures. Released June 8th, 1984. I was there. Budget $25, $30 million, box office $295.2 million, got a 95 on the tomato meter, 88 on the audience score. Woo. Who's who's given this a, a bad mark on the audience? What is You know, there's them? like these people that are reviewing it now who weren't alive back then, so it's like people are giving it knocks because of um, Bill Murray's character is kind of like a Me Too kind of sexual harasser and stuff. And you got to understand, in the 80s, this was the norm. I mean... Guys sexually harassed women in movies, and it was accepted, and it was approved, and it was... <laughs> it doesn't mean it's right, but yeah, it was the norm at the time. Well, I mean, you go back in history, there's a lot of shit that we did that wasn't right. Yeah. But, I mean, it was just the norm. Yeah, it, that's the problem with watching some of these old movies. You're like, oof, oof. Okay, yeah, that was pretty normal then. I think it takes some time, because I used to judge older movies too, like when I was in college and stuff. And then you get a little bit older and you kind of just realize, ah, different time. Whatever. I'm not judging. I mean, they're not real characters. <laughs> this is some writer writing a fantasy. So I could easily see like 
you know, like uh, Harold Ramis being like, oh, it'd be great if I was that good looking and I could just like say all this shit to girls and get away with it. And then Bill Murray does it. But uh, man, can you believe Bill, Bill Murray was like 35 when this movie was made? What? Yeah. Really? Look it up. Like my dad still. I know. He just like genetically looks old. I would have guessed 45 if you would have been like, hey, how old is Bill Murray in 1984? I don't know, 45. He's younger than all three of us in this. Yes. <laughs> but I think his whole family, I look at his brothers too. Like genetically, they just all look old no matter what age they are. <laughs> yeah. I think those guys like to put down a few drinks now and again, like now and again, like just now and five minutes from now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I could see that happening. Who starred in this iconic film, Brad? All right. We got a nice Chicago, Canada connection here. So Bill Murray, Peter Venkman from Chicago. We got Dan Aykroyd from Canada as Ray Stance. Sigourney Weaver, Dana Barrett. We got Harold Ramis as Egon Spangler. He's also from Chicago. We got Rick Moranis as Louis Tolley. He's from Canada. Annie Potts as Janine Melnitz. We got William Atherton as Walter Peck. Ernie Hudson as Winston Zedmore. And can I say... Annie Potts never gets enough credit for how much of a fox she is. Like, look at her stuff from the late 70s, early 80s to the mid 80s, even into the new, you know, like I was just like, whoo, you are, you're sneaky. You're I got some things to say about that. Yeah, because looking back, you know, in the 1980s, I didn't think she was hot at all back then. But I look at her now, like, damn. Uh, she looks good and kept hitting on him. And he's just like, Psh, get away from me, lady. <laughs> I know. And I like how they stuck with it, too. You know, they didn't make Egon, like, eventually, like, start to fall for her or anything like that. He just was consistently himself. He's the only character without growth, you know? <laughs> and his his deadpan delivery was just consistent and spot on the whole movie. Yeah, he gives yeah. one of my favorite lines. He does. Uh, I mean, this this whole movie has so many quotable lines, so many great scenes, and a fantastic backstory. I'm so happy that I got a chance to watch again, watch the movies that made us Ghostbusters. Just wow. Yeah. I'd say genius, just genius in multiple levels of this movie. You got the chemistry amongst the cast. It was an ensemble cast. So they just worked tremendously well together. I mean, it's a tremendously great improv yeah. group there. The way it can switch gears, how it can just, just seamlessly change tone from like horror, scary to like comedy and the music. Did we talk about the music yet? No, mm. we haven't even touched on Ray Parker's theme song. Academy Award winner. We barely even talked about the movie. Yeah, it, well, there's so much to talk about in this, and my notes are like 18 pages long, so shared notes really changes the podcast, and this one turned into a monster. Two two people got the notes. Oh, you didn't get the email? I didn't get the email. <laughs> All right, back into this. We'll talk about the trailers. Now, it's been a long time since we've got a VHS with trailers. It's so long we talked about it on our trip. Yeah. It's been like eight movies in a row. And to be honest, I didn't think we had trailers on this VHS. And luckily I went to VHScollector.com and I noticed it. I, I clicked on the one I had from 1985, 86, the Columbia, like it's got the bar around it, the mm -hmm. red bar. And I saw on a note there, all trailers are after the movie. And I was like, oh, I got to remember that from these older VHS. I always forget. I don't have a remote, so I just let mine run. That actually might help you out because, yeah. <laughs> I've caught some at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I have two VCRs that I don't have remotes, and only one of them I actually watch the movies with, and I do the same thing. I don't even touch it. I just hear it go. <laughs> so anyway, these trailers, we've got Perfect from 1985, which is starring John Travolta and Jamie Lee Curtis. I'd never seen this. I'd never heard of it. Uh, but I know Brad has. Enough. I am happy that was on there because there's been a gif going around of Trump doing a pelvic thrust. Mm hmm. And that's where this came from. And that's like they connected the dots there. So thank you for sharing that. I mean, I had no idea. I'm not interested in the movie at all, but now I know where that <laughs> came from. Well, they're practically banging each other on this trailer. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. They don't even like have any, uh, you know, like build up to it. They're just like, listen, I'm perfect. I'm perfect too. pelvic thrust, you know, like aerobics. And I'm like, 
What the fuck? I'll do aerobics <laughs> with you. Okay, times have changed. Yeah, and he's apparently writing a story on an aerobics instructor. I don't want to get into this too far. We've already said enough, but it's just this is the most interesting trailer out of all of them because I'd never heard of it. Uh, the next one was just one of the guys from 1985. Uh, classic girl dresses up like a guy to get more respect. Guy falls in love with her. Uh, yeah, so I, I've seen this a few times. I even own it. It's a classic Mulan story. Yeah, I'd never seen that before, but yeah, we're not going to do that one. Yeah, it's it's an 80 sex comedy. You don't think we're going to do that, Brad? I know I own it, and I'm I'm, I'm almost certain in uh, Chris's uh, pictures he sent, I saw it. Oh, maybe we can, we yeah. can do it then. I guess you know. So <laughs> I don't want to do it. Nobody even makes sex comedies anymore. <laughs> didn't didn't have no. the the no respect in it? Oh, probably. No. Yeah. Yeah. His uh, that he's the coach, I believe. Oh yeah, and the coach is terrible in this. Did you hear the one line? He's like, I have jock strap inspections twice a week, and I'm like. What? Who the fuck does that? That's, I've never heard of that. All right. Did I interrupt you, Brad? Your no, our coaches, I mean, they're like, if you're having trouble with that, you're just a moron and you need to like <laughs> do things the right way from now on. Our only things that we had with anything like that in football was, could you guys take your equipment home over the weekend and wash it, you disgusting animals? I remember yeah, that. Teenage boys are disgusting animals. <laughs> yeah. I was in so. wrestling. And they made you shower and we washed the mats every time. Yeah, I think wrestlers are a little bit more serious about keeping things clean because of the shit that gets on the mats. Yeah, ringworm. It's, uh, it, it ruins entire teams. Football players, not so much because it's, <laughs> you know, keep it in their own lockers. Every All the sweat goes on the ground. So it's like some people would keep, again, I should move on, but some people would keep their shit in the lockers all weekend and we come back Monday and it would be putrid, the smell. <sighs> Just uh, yeah. awful. Anyway, next movie, A Passage to India. Never heard of this, and I don't care. Uh, yeah, so like my note on that was like a celebration of colonialism. <laughs> she goes into a cave, and then India changed, and she changed. I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to change the channel. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we got The Karate Kid, 1984. Everyone's seen this. Great movie. Man, that was a great year for movies, the 84, 85. Those yeah. two years, man. And then uh, another one, that I, I've never seen this. This is one of the, I think the only Car John Carpenter film I have not seen is Starman from 1984, uh, starring Jeff Bridges. I own it. I haven't watched it. I think I've seen this one. I had it confused initially with Last Starfighter. Oh, Last Starfighter. Fucking love. And we've done that already on this show. Yeah, Sorry, it's a guys. great movie. And this one looks good, too. I think I've seen it before, but I can't remember. All right, that'll end it. It was, it was good to have trailers. Uh, this is awesome, but... I got my own list of trailers. I watched the 15th anniversary with this really crappy cover. Who would want to, but it doesn't say anything about 15 on it. Who would want to watch that? You know, I think the Hollywood video that I went to in the early 2000s had that copy. Yeah, it looks like some shitty Skinamax porn like cover. We had the Stuart Little one where they say it's uh first time they've ever animated a figure. Uh, Muppets in Space. Uh, Baby Genius, not a great movie. Animorphs, never read it. Is it a horror? Did you guys read Animorphs? No. No, it's like a book series where kids can turn into animals. It gets real fucking dark at the end, I heard. Like, real dark. And then Godzilla cartoon from the 2000s Godzilla. And Extreme Ghostbusters, Jumanji, and Men in Black cartoons. Forgot all of those exist. Oh, I can't wait to talk about all the video games and animations and toys and stuff at the end of this but this is the light one this is like the 2000s era yeah my vhs was the uh the logo the old school logo that they have for the ghostbusters where it's got the ghosts and uh, the line through it awesome uh cover by the way so simple one of the most effective i've ever seen way better than mine yeah absolutely all right let's move on to watching this trailer i'm gonna pull it up uh, Brad, I think it's fascinating that you saw this in the theater. <laughs> I I mean, seriously, how old were you? Like, would have been 21? Like, yeah, I was, taking, yeah, I was taking my kids there. No, I would have been like uh, <laughs> seven, I think. And everyone had kind of seen this. I mean, this was like getting everyone. Everyone saw this and we all had the T-shirts and we had the I even had the tape. You know, surprisingly, this is one that my family and I, we never owned it. We did. But it was on TV all the time, right? So... All right, here we go. 
ghosts. Hello, Ghostbusters. They're real. You do? You have? They're here. Ghostbusters. Hey, anybody see a ghost? They catch the ghost that won't stay dead. They're armed. They're dangerous. Try to imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. All right, that's bad. Okay. All right, important safety tip. Thanks, Egon. They're professionals. Oh, I'm the chairman of the largest paranormal removal company in America. You see it? They're all that stands between you and the end of the world. The city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the sky. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Your girlfriend lives in the corner penthouse of Spook Central. You want this body? Is this a trick question? Are you stick? Hold! Him up! Smoke him! Make him hard! Ready! Ghostbusters. Starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Sigourney Weaver, Harold Ramis, Rick Moranis. Coming to save the world. Ghostbusters. We came, we saw... Oh my gosh. That is a good trailer, though. Yeah. It just starts out like a corny horror movie and then just right into slapstick. And From what they said in uh, the movies that made us, this no movie had been made like this where, you know, combined special effects, comedy, kind of a little drama, a little seriousness. It's never been done. And special effects like this is it's nuts. Uh, I mean, they, they changed uh, blockbuster films for. I mean, this is one of the first ones. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it was like all sci fi or it had to be kind of just one kind of genre. But these guys kind of invented their own genre. Yeah, I mean, you had Star Wars, you know, that was like the space opera and the adventure and all the special effects, but you definitely didn't have the comedy. Yeah, it was for uh, Spaceballs. Another great one. I hope we do one day. Oh, so good. I actually don't know how uh, comedies like that would play doing it on a podcast. You know what I mean? I, I haven't figured it out, obviously. Yeah. So, <laughs> let me go back. All right, let's talk about this movie, which... I think this has one of the best introductions of how a character is throughout the film. Like right when you meet, you know, Peter Vakeman and he's cheating on a card game to pick up a girl. Yeah. It's like, and then how he, how he treats the guy who's in his way kind of in the room with just like a piece of shit and keeps shocking him. <laughs> Even when he guesses right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. He immediately puts that card down. So it doesn't show him. It, 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 I love how he fights at the end for it. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> You're not getting your $5. And I always remember the guy chewing the gum. And then it like flies out of his mouth. Love it. Yeah, and then he gets cock blocked by Egon comes in there. and Or is it Ray who comes in? I can't remember who cock blocked No, Ray comes in there and cock blocks him. It's funny how quickly we get into this where they're like, oh, let's go check this out at the library. And then Bill Murray just kind of goes along with him. And, you know, how they get there and they find that library ghost. It's just such an amazing start to this. Like, they don't waste a ton of time at all. I would say within like 10 minutes, we get our first ghost that introduces you to this wacky world. Yeah, that ghost is scary when you're like eight years old. You're like, yeah, it's like the, the peewee uh, truck driver. <laughs> Large Marge. That's still scary. That terrifying. No, I love it. They, they, you got a plan? No. <laughs> And again, the introduction of Vankman here, where he's super serious and just, you know, you can just tell what type of character he is. And then I noticed Brad's got a nice note here on the library ghost. Oh, seriously. Yeah. That old lady or that lady to the librarian. Like I first, you know, 
Like she was an old woman at first, and now it's like in ten years. I'd be like asking her out. <laughs> and then they get back to the college, and immediately they're fired. <laughs> they're just like, "Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll, we'll start a business and mortgage raise house." <laughs> like, have you ever worked in the private sector? They expect results. Oh, yeah, it's scary. And they only got a nineteen percent interest rate on that thing too. Yeah, you didn't even negotiate. <laughs> well, they go right into buying the place and they're all like this sucks everything's bad and he's like you see this pole we're <laughs> yeah. buying it <laughs> yeah oh that firehouse is iconic and it's used to this day it's like an actual firehouse uh they restored it it's awesome i knew they did something with the building i just didn't know what i wish i would have memorized the ladder number that they had for it like the firehouse number but i didn't oh well uh, and then immediately they you know hire someone and they get business and i <laughs> It's so great uh, because I think Dana's apartment is pretty much the next thing, right? Where like, mm-hmm. Bankman goes there and he's, you know, looking around the place and his completely ad lib line or where he like with the piano keys and goes, they hate this. Yeah. <laughs> so many of the Bill Murray lines throughout this movie are just completely made up by him. I mean, he's just that good. There's been a lot of ad libbing and a lot of like improv going on in this movie. Just kind of give them a scene mm-hmm. and just make it funny. And they, these guys obviously are great at doing that. Yeah. And Bankman is horny. The, uh, yeah. That's it. That's all he is. Yeah. yeah. He's about to get me too here. He's funny <laughs> and horny. Not fully crossing the line at this. He's just kind of this guy that won't, you know, he's like the guy who goes to the bar and he goes, man, it doesn't matter. 99 yo, 99 no's as long as I get one yes. You know, he's that guy from college. He's the fisherman just yeah. throwing out lines. But he's so charming in a like a just a funny way. How he's just because he doesn't seem like a threat. You know what I mean? He just seems like a dumbass. And later on, we find that he carries like a bunch of uh, what's that stuff he gives her that knocks her out. And it's like, what are you doing with that oh. substance there? Oh what yeah, a little bit of that's a little Bill Cosby insinuation there. There's no Jello. Oh yeah, because she's like uh, possessed. Yeah, Thorazine or whatever you gave her. I, you know, I just think they, that was like a plot device. They're like, well, we need something a, to have. He's a doctor. He's a doctor. Okay. Yeah. He got it from the pharmacy. Of psychology. So, you know, who knows? And paranormal psychology, which is, I didn't even know that existed, but I guess, I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Hotel. Uh, yeah. When they get the, the first call, Amy Potts is like, we got one. Oh, I love it. And they get right there and they trash that fucking place. Can you keep it discreet? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ruins everything. Shoots that lady's cart. They get scared and just hit the maid's cart. What the hell are you doing? It's a good one. When he's like, yeah, we're walking around with like uh, a nuclear reactor on our backs. He's like, fire it up. Hits the button and creeps away in the elevator. Yeah. It's Dan Aykroyd and... Bill Murray just like backing away from yeah. Bankman. Yeah, we never tested this yet. Something that fired up, and then it's like Slimer basically comes. He's like their pet later on, and like subsequent. Well, in movie. the cartoons, yeah. yeah. I always think it's in this one, but it's in the cartoon and Ghostbusters too, right? Or is it just the cartoon? I th- I don't. I think it's just the cartoon. Yeah, you get. I watched that so much growing up that I always imagine it's in this movie, and I was like, wait, no, they just put him in a hole. Yeah, let's see here. Uh, and then we get uh, eventually the montage of them just going around becoming famous. And then Brad put a note on here that's I forgot to mention. Yeah, like Ray gets it on with a ghost. Yes, I, that's uh, ghost sex is in my notes. I was reading something about that. And the question was, like, what happened there? And the answer was, it's exactly what you think happened. <laughs> and if you look, all three of them are doing something weird in the bed. The one guy's like walking really odd and the other guy's like flailing his arms they're just having the weirdest dreams they're living in a house full of ghosts and i think that was a playboy model who ended up like uh the pretty girl that was above dan Aykroyd. so i thought that was pretty funny that they went and got a playboy model then eventually we finally do get winston hired uh i know in the original script he was supposed to be much earlier in the draft but he kept getting cut cut back uh which i know that uh kind of ernie hudson was not happy about that uh, definitely during, you know, the recording of this and everything, but I'm pretty sure he's gotten over it by now. <laughs> yeah. Wasn't it supposed to be Eddie Murphy? 
Uh, we got after, yeah, when we get to the behind the scenes, there's a really interesting kind of like tale of how that happened. But just to answer your question, no, Winston's character was not Eddie Murphy's character. Oh. But I'll, we'll, I'll explain why. Okay. So we had uh, Vinkman successfully stalks Dana back to her apartment. I love that. And then finally, Zool possesses Dana. And I tell you what, as a kid, when the, the hands pop out of the chair and grab her, that always creeped me out as a kid. Oh, it's, it's terrifying. A, it's, it's weird. But yeah, she becomes the gatekeeper. Uh, and we haven't mentioned uh, Louis Tully yet. He is the nerdy neighbor. The stalker. Yeah. I climbed out on your balcony and tried to unplug your TV, but I couldn't reach. Yeah, and they're pretty high up in that building, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no balconies. I, I guess back then, like, uh, you know, really high apartment buildings, you could open the window. I, you know, I, I don't know how far you can do that nowadays anymore because of all the, you know, all the shit we've learned, like babies falling out, dogs falling out, people committing it, suicide. Yeah, it was like intentionally falling out. But yeah, that was great. I mean, he he chases uh, Louis Tully out of his little uh, because he's. He's a tax man. He's an accountant and he has a little party there. And I love just like him owning the camera inside of that party. And then finally the dog chases, you know, comes out of the uh, closet and then chases him throughout New York and then finally grabs him. Then he becomes the key master. That was one continuous shot. I like that one joke where he's like, you know, I got this stuff all like as a tax write off. That's why I invited my Mm -hmm. clients and not my friends. Hey, this is real smoked salmon from Nova Scotia, Canada, $24.95 a pound. It only cost me $14.12 after tax, though. I'm giving this whole thing as a promotional expense. That's why I invited clients instead of friends. You having a good time, Mark? How you doing? Why don't you have some of the brie? It's at room temperature. You think it's too warm in here for the brie? Louis, I'm going home. Well, don't leave yet. And listen, maybe if we start dancing, other people will join in. <laughs> and then you kind of figure out, yeah, I don't think you have friends, you know? <laughs> Yeah, he's like, I watched that workout tape. Uh, It's 20 minute long, but I fast forward, watch it in 10 minutes. Got a real good workout. (laughs) He's like, that's some smoked salmon right there. I got it for it. He keeps telling people the cost of stuff and like no one gives a shit. (laughs) It's a good character, though. I think I think he's hilarious. Yeah. Originally, it was supposed to be John Candy. Uh, That's crazy to me. Yeah, I think they just gave the role to him. They said, this is this role and you're kind of going to be this nerdy guy. And he just took it and made it his own. All right, so we get uh, Lewis is uh, caught by a cop and then brought back uh, to the Ghostbusters. Uh, I actually have this scene because I really liked it, where you just have Peter Venkman and uh, you know him, Tully, Lewis Tully, just talking to each other the entire time. It's a pretty good scene, so let's pull this up and actually listen to it. Vince, you said before you were waiting for a sign. What sign are you waiting for? Gozer the Traveler. He will come in one of the pre-chosen forms. During the rectification of the Valdrani, the Traveler came as a large and moving torb. Then, during the third reconciliation of the last of the McKetrick supplicants, they chose a new form for him, that of a giant slore. Many shubs and zools knew what it was to be roasted in the depths of the slore that day, I can tell you. Uh, and there we go. That's one of my favorite lines. It's like, you're always rescuing men or people or whatever. And he's like, this guy's not a human. And like walks in. I can't remember the exact quote. Now I sound like a moron, but... No, I know what you're talking about when he's yeah. just like, this guy's not human. Yeah, it's great. I, I just love how they the reason I played that was all that is exposition for the entire like backstory of Gozer, everything. But I never you never notice it because Louis Tully's performance or, you know, um, oh, I'm searching for his name. I just lost it. Uh, Rick Moranis's performance is Louis Tully. You don't even notice that they're just like dropping all kinds of, you know, just like knowledge on you to so you know what's going on in the story never took it like that still even as an adult just watching him is so fun exposition everywhere boom boom are these on like other planets or just different yeah because it's uh, none of those words make sense i think he was just randomly making stuff up you know like how will ferrell would you know but will ferrell would make it more like inappropriate or or they're just feeding them lines like okay now this time say all this crazy stuff and he's just like all right okay I'll just keep saying all this crap. Uh, so right before it, you know, they talk about the Twinkie scene. He's just like, oh, you know, Ray, I'm I'm really worried about this. This is getting this like a uh, containment unit is getting pretty full. Uh, I'm starting to think there's something bad's going to happen. And he mentions the Twinkie and how large it gets. I don't remember the exact line from it, but it's a pretty famous line. But then eventually the asshole peck, which is just. Ugh. He's just a perfect like yeah, he's just a perfect like Weasley little bureaucrat guy. I hate that guy. 
everybody else in the room's like, maybe we shouldn't shut it off. And he's like, fucking shut it down. Yeah. And then like that electrical guy is just like, uh, I don't feel good about this. Like, don't shut it down. All this shit's going to come out. And as soon as they shut it down. This pack is like the kind of guy that like wasn't like really popular in high school. And then now that he has like a little power, he can just like goes around and just exploits it and just abuses it. He becomes less popular in the, the process. Yeah. And this era, this character or this act, character actor always plays an asshole. I because I, I see your note here. He's always a weasel lawyer bureaucrat. I mean, I remember him from Biodome too, being a complete asshole. Is he in Biodome? Yeah, he had like longer hair in Biodome. Probably still fake, but well, he's great at that role. Some people are just meant to be the villain, and they're really good at it, and that's what they're going to be their whole life. Yeah, and he's probably a really nice guy too. That's what I find out. Most of these villains are just like great guys. Gatekeep the keymaster does find the gatekeeper, and I did not realize until this uh, the movies that made us that it's penis and vagina. What keymaster, gatekeeper? Which one's which? Key goes into the key is the penis. Oh. Gatekeeper is the vagina. Well, I never knew that either. Neither did I. I was like, oh. <laughs> If any, any kids are listening, go ask your mom and dad. You're the gatekeeper. I'm the key master. And he talks to the horse. Don't worry, we'll all be set, sl- or set free soon. And then we get montage of the ghosts around the city. And uh, this was one of my favorite parts as a kid. Just all, the, you know, like the, I really loved the ghost taxi guy. Mm-hmm. I always just had a dream of him, you know, driving people around New York City. Like he never tried to kill anyone. He was legitimately trying to make money. It's like the the funnest scene of the movie as a kid, I think. And I I always remember it going a lot longer than it does, but it is really short. And there's a scene later that I always remember being a bigger part of the movie. And it's like three minutes. Yeah, I wonder if we do this, too, because I grew up watching the real Ghostbusters cartoon. And I, I think I just like start to, you know, push these universes together and just like continually because I, too, thought like Slimer was in this more. Mm-hmm. Not not as a doll, I knew that now, but as a kid, like if you would ask me, he's like, "Yeah, Slimer's like one of the most popular ghosts in the movie." Man, he's all they talk to him, and then you know, like, no, they don't. Yeah, and <laughs> Slimer can't talk. How many times did you rewind stuff as a kid and watch like just that scene over and over? This was traditionally what my younger brothers and I would do. We would take a movie like when there's a special effect or, you know, something like that. Like I remember um, Ed 209 and RoboCop, we'd rewind mm-hmm. it and then watch it in slow-mo. Yeah. Cause like when we got the really nice VCR and we could watch things in slow-mo, that was awesome. Like it said, how many times I watched uh South park. We used to like play magic watching movies. So mm-hmm. like little Nikki South park were on rotation, but there's scenes where we would stop playing and I'll like get up and watch. And then yeah. go back to it being background noise. So I, how many times do you do that? And then that one scene is like a bigger part in your head. Yeah, because you just start adding things to it. That's something I did too. Uh, and then they get to jail. You know, again, they're just dropping all this exposition where it's just like, go. this guy made this building to be the ultimate like satellite to get Gozer and all these crazy people, whatever he says in there. And just like all the, I remember all the people in jail just sitting there looking at him like, yeah. Yeah, man, this is messed up. And then the mayor brings him in and I've got that scene because this is some of the best line delivery or some of the best comedy, I guess, in the entire film. is This is just spectacular. Uh, I love every minute. I love the guy who plays the mayor. I love how good Peck is at just setting Bill Murray up, even though I think Bill, uh, Bill Murray just like made all this up. You know, who knows? I mean, he's just that damn good. I am Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with the fake electronic light show. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Well, that's what I heard. This city hall. Now, what am I going to do here, John? What is this? I think we can stop it now. I don't think we need don't, to hear the Cardinals in the 53rd precinct. We're bleeding. <laughs> well, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. 
Oh, I think I'm going to have to open up another gumball head. What's that? That's a beer. From where? That's a beer that actually Brad bought, but he couldn't take it home because these stupid rules on the planes. Damn, TSA. Is that Three Floyds? Yeah. It is. I picked up a Sixer on the way out of their uh, Hefeweizen. I can't remember the name. Excellent. Yeah, TSA doesn't like drunk people being on airplanes for some reason. Yeah, they really don't like it when you try to bring your own alcohol on. Uh, so they go to the, the, you know, figure out the hidden temple that's in the apartment. And uh, we see Dana and Lewis transform into beasts. And I should say that the special effects on these are rushed, but still really good. Yeah, it's everything's practical. Even the ghost was done like impractical camera effects. I watched a uh, making on it a while ago, and I can't remember how they did it, but it was it was interesting for the time. Yeah, I saw how they did Slimer. Slimer was really cool. Mid 80s, too. So that's, that's what you're going to get. Yeah, it's the best 80s. Plus the special effects team that was created for this. They only had 10 months to do all this. And it was even less than that because, you know, like they say 10 months, but how much of it is planning, how much of it is drawing all the concept art out. Then you have to have someone create it all. Then you got to go shoot it. And then, you know, you got reshoots. So, you know, honestly, the special effects people probably had more like six months to work on this. There's only a couple that look real bad. Like when the road opens up and the car falls in, that just, Look, it's a miniature, most likely, but it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looks papery. Well, they said that's why the cuts were so fast in this, because they're like, OK, cut it really fast, because we don't want them to notice that it's not that good. Yep. So that old classic B-horror trick where you're like, well, it's always going to be dark. OK, and raining <laughs> looks cool, right? Yeah. If it's not dark or raining, the cut is really fast. <laughs> I mean, these guys are all coming from ILM, and it's a good story about how that happened. And I'll say in the uh, behind the scenes. They still did such a great job for how fast this was. Uh, I love it. I mean, it changed movies, like I said. I always think that when it comes to special effects changing movies, I always think of Star Wars, and I always think of Ghostbusters and a few others. Blew it out of the ballpark in the 1970s and 80s. So we get them on top of the building, and uh, <laughs> Gozer appears, which is a short-haired lady. Uh, always always kind of really creeped me out as a kid because it looked like she was wearing, like, bubble wrap around her i like i don't know what she's in <laughs> even as an adult i look at him like i don't know what that is it makes me think of david bowie every time oh yeah and her voice is creepy still to this day it's creepy are you a god i bear you know one of ray obviously thinks about the destroyer and it creates the state puff marshmallow man <laughs> that's the scene i always thought was way longer I thought it was like a Godzilla movie with the Stay Puff. No, it's a short scene. Yeah, it's like four minutes. Yeah, because they pretty much eliminate the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man and Gozer. You know, they're just like, remember when I said don't cross the streams? Cross the streams! <laughs> what, did, what did Bill Murray say about him? He's like, he's a sailor. We'll get him drunk. We'll get him We'll get him laid. Like, he'll be okay. <laughs> I, I forget what that was based off of. Maybe the Michelin Man, but I think they like just made it a sailor randomly. Yeah, I don't know. Or isn't it the Stay Puff Marshmallow? Is that a real thing? I thought so. I don't know. Maybe it was real afterwards because just the marketing potential there. I know Dan Aykroyd loves marshmallows, so that's why it was in there. Oh. Smart man. Chat GPT told me that. Yeah, we should really let you read some of Chat GPT's review of this later on. But they cross the streams, they kill Gozer, they kill the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Oh, no. Yeah, it's a fictional character in the Ghostbusters franchise. Oh, okay. It could be real now, though. You know, it ends up that Dana and Louis Tully uh, are actually saved at the end of the day. We get a kiss from uh, her and Venkman, and then they party in New York, baby. He's like, oh, no, they're fried. Look at that. It smells like burnt dog. And he's like, mourning. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, sorry, I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I honestly forgot. I'm sorry. Did you guys notice, like, at the end, as they're driving off, those Catholic priests are given the last rites to, like, that one chunk of marshmallow? They're like... Oh, no, I missed that. I'll have to look for that next time I watch this. And there we go. It ends one of the best uh, sci-fi comedies ever. The original sci-fi comedy. The one that started it all. This came before Golden Child, right? Yeah, I think Golden Child, wasn't that like 86? Yeah. What about Spaceballs? We should do more research, but, you know. I, I don't know. I don't remember anyone mentioning Spaceballs for a while. What? No, I was just saying, when when was that done? I don't know. It is one of the first. Either way, like those three are the big ones that I think of. Yeah, Spaceball is 1987. 
Okay. Well, I think a lot of films capitalized on the success of this because you realize that you had an entirely different market. They're like, oh, so we can combine comedy into, you know, like sci-fi or adventure yeah. and stuff like that. Because when you think back on it, they all came out at the same time. Golden Child came out in 1986. So I think they saw that and they're just like, okay, we put Eddie Murphy, who's awesome, who's just bankable every time, put him in a sci-fi comedy and it's going to make money. That was like one of the first action comedies too. Uh, with that one was Beverly Hills Cop. That's a good one too. I just think in the 80s, they realized, you know, even in, with horror, with Evil Dead 2, I, I think they realized, oh, people, you can do, you can kind of sandwich these things together and it will make money. Because that was the big thing about Ghostbusters. They're like, oh, a sci-fi film with comedy, a, a comedic sci-fi film, that's never going to make money. Wow, were you wrong? <laughs> the point of watching a movie is having fun. Like, I like movies that make your brain want to cry, but watching something that's fun and funny, it's great. Yeah, I just think there's a lot of avenues. Now, today, I think we're a little oversaturated because of all the streaming services competing against each other and just pumping content out. But yeah, I just think there's a lot of room for things you can combine. I, I just think it was an old school thought that no one had proved wrong yet. And I'm so happy that they did. But uh, here's my notes from the movies that made us. Uh, if you guys, if no one wants to ever watch it on Netflix, I don't know why you wouldn't. You should. But Dan Aykroyd wrote the original script for John Belushi, Eddie Murphy, and himself. Now, obviously, John Belushi died, so they ended up replacing him. And I don't think Eddie Murphy, I don't know if it, they didn't think he was affordable, or I don't quite know what happened to that, but... When they brought Ivan Reitman, you know, who was coming off of Meatballs and uh, Stripes, they brought him in to direct it. He immediately got Harold Ramis involved to basically take Dan Aykroyd's way over the top script. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they're like, can you make this, you know, something that we can actually make make it more grounded? And then, you know, according to yeah, according to ChatGPT, the original was like called Ghost Mashers and it's set in the future where teams of Ghost Mashers travel through space and time and other dimensions to combat ghosts. Yeah, like we can't make this for a twenty-five million dollar budget. This is like some. I don't know if that's the real plot of their original movie, but I want to watch that. Uh, that was like he was. Yeah, they were supposed to be just kind of like run-of-the-mill ghost, you know, busters. That wasn't what they were called in the original script. And I guess they overcome the odds and become the best. But yeah, when <laughs> I guess Ivan Reitman originally read the script, he's like, "Well, I we no one can make this." Like this would cost way too much money and it's way over the top. It's just crazy, but it had some really good core ideas that then um, Dan Aykroyd and Harold Ramis went and worked on. And Dan Aykroyd said him and Harold Ramis were just perfect together. They like, for some reason, you know, you had all the really big ideas of Dan Aykroyd and then you had, you know, someone who's a little bit more grounded taking them and like shaping them. So they were a good writing team. And Dan Aykroyd said it was like the best writing partner he's ever had, which doesn't surprise me because Harold Ramis, you know, went on to, you know, direct Groundhog's Day and be involved in so many uh, hits. Uh, but yeah, once he started to write the script with him, he goes, well, I want to be in this film. And they're like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no problem. We can get you as a writer and an actor. Great. <laughs> uh, and he would go on to replace Belushi in the script, which surprised me. But they must have just completely changed the character. Uh, who might, uh, Bill Murray would come in and replace Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy, the reason they did that was Eddie Murphy, I guess, wasn't attainable or something. And he wanted one character to be basically all comedy. Like all the comedy had to flow through this character. So they didn't want to have multiple ones. So that's why Eddie Murphy wasn't actually Winston. And then we had Columbia Pictures agreed to greenlight the movie for $25 million. But... There's a big but. It needed to be out in 13 months, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, I heard that. they There was like a, a deadline they needed to hit, a, a showing of something. Oh, yeah. They said this was running gun filming, running gun special effects, running gun. Like even the song. They're like, hey, we want it by this time because of this reason. So yeah. if you can do it, we'll pay for it. They just wanted to hit the summer blockbuster season. Uh, the team wanted ILM to work on the special effects but they were overworked with movies like Indiana Jones and the Temple of the Doom at the time. So Richard Edland uh, was actually a little bit unhappy at ILM, thought it became too corporate. 
Uh, so he asked, you know, Columbia Pictures to fund his company, Boss Films, that he wanted to create it for $5 million. Uh, they did. And then he cherry picked uh, some of the big talent away from ILM, who also had problems with it. And then they created Boss Films. And that's who did the special effects for this. They also took people like Steve Johnson, who's really popular as uh, special effects guy in the horror industry. You've probably seen him in a lot of documentaries if you watch any of those. Steve Johnson did Slimer, who is married to uh, Quigley, Lena Quigley. Is it it's Leanna Quigley? Leanna. Yeah. She's a, a local celebrity. Scream queen. Yeah, I mean, she's been so much. But anyway, he was married to her. Yeah, he's done some special effects on some of her movies. He's really talented. Uh, went on to become really popular in the horror industry. Uh, and then this is something that I put down two of these things. I already mentioned John Candy was going to originally play Louis Tolley. Uh, which I'm glad he didn't. And he didn't want it either. He he read the role and he's like, yeah, that's not really me. I don't see myself playing that character well. And I've always wondered, because they worked in Second City together, if he suggested Rick Moranis. That's just a theory. I don't know. Yeah, I can't imagine anyone besides Rick Moranis in that role. He just plays it perfect. Uh, I saw Pee Wee Herman was initially thought of to play Gozer. Oh, I would fucking love that that would have been amazing yeah filmation which is an animation company at the time actually owned the name ghostbusters and that's a great story and they weren't going to give up the title so they had to record ghostbusters and ghost breakers throughout the movie and uh eventually they just gave up mm -hmm. uh, there's a good story where the i guess one of the producers or whoever put the phone up to the crowd cheering ghostbusters and he goes you know th that's our name we're not doing this anymore. So they busted their butt to try to figure it out. But even like months before the film came out, they still didn't have it. But luckily, the person who greenlighted the film in Columbia, he got fired because Coca-Cola took over Columbia Pictures. And he's like, you know, these fuckers aren't playing ball. So I think he ended up taking a job. He took a job at another production studio, maybe Universal or something. And they actually owned Filmation who wouldn't give up the title and she's like, don't worry, I got you. <laughs> yeah, I think I've seen this episode because some of the stuff is, I'm remembering it all. The movies that made us is great. It is, they really are. I hope they keep going. I don't know the last, because I know there's three seasons of it. I don't know when the last one came out, but I mean, I'm sure because that company kind of took off because they did the toys that made us and stuff like that. Uh, and this is the last note that I thought was fascinating that all the interior shots inside the library, uh, inside their their uh, firehouse, yada yada, that was all done in L.A. Only some, there barely any of this movie is done in New York. Just for the exterior shots. Yeah, I didn't know that, and that really surprised me. I mean, it makes sense. A lot of films are like done in Chicago or Cleveland downtown, so it looks like you're in like a big metropolitan area, but it's cheaper. Yeah, Toronto and Cleveland are traditionally like the cheaper places. Because Batman was all filmed in Chicago, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think some of the earlier Batmans were actually mostly filmed in Toronto, right? Like the Tim Burton ones, maybe? I think so. It was yeah. in Canada, so yeah. All right. Uh, any notes on this movie before we... Uh... I asked I asked ChatGPT to like do this whole thing for us. Eventually, we're just going to have ChatGPT do this for us. But basically, here's a part... I'll, I'll read off some of the discussion here. Ghostbusters balances its comedy with genuine thrills and suspense. The combination of the supernatural and the ordinary world of New York City creates an engaging and entertaining atmosphere that draws you in from start to finish. Okay, let's not forget about the iconic theme song by Ray Parker Jr. It's impossible not to bob your head and sing along whenever you hear it. It's become synonymous with the film. Myself or somebody else is supposed to say, absolutely, the music, the special effects, the memorable characters, the witty dialogue, it all comes together in a timeless experience. Even though it's been almost four decades, Ghostbusters hasn't lost any of its charm. They are better than us. Yeah, but it all sounds really generic in a way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wanted to read it when I read that whole thing. I wanted to read it, but not change where it says host one or host two. Yeah. <laughs> How do you feel about that host three? <laughs> at the end of the synopsis it's like host two and remember folks if there's something strange in your neighborhood who are you gonna call and then all the hosts in unisons go ghostbusters, ghostbusters. <laughs> i mean this son of a bitch already writes a better script than we do but it can't be spontaneous that's the problem and it will be that terrible robot voice i see hey, you put the, host the, one. the snacks on there the snack? oh yeah oh, so much merch yeah. came from eco cooler 
I had the backpack. I had the ghost trap. I had like the full size ones that you could walk around as kids with the blaster. Mm-hmm. Man, we've got cereal. This stuff is on Stranger Things, remember? They were all dressed as Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. We got the Ecto Cooler, mm-hmm. the High C. We got the cereal. I put the T-shirt on there, too, because I had that T-shirt. Yeah. And underneath it, I put that tape, that cassette tape, because I had that exact one there from Arista. So I used to listen to this stuff over and over again. Oh, my God. I didn't even scroll down. That board game? We haven't even gotten to cartoons yet. How many seasons of the cartoons? they got video games. Oh, yeah. So the the cartoons... Yeah, the real Ghostbusters ran for seven seasons, 140 Jesus. episodes from 86 to 91. Uh, and the reason I put that board game down there is because we owned it. It looks fun. It was uh, a little complicated uh, for us kids. I'm sure now we play it and be like, this is not complicated at all. But we were kids. The extreme Ghostbusters uh, ran for one season, 40 episodes in 1997. That's see the problem. I I remember really disliking the extreme Ghostbusters and it only ran for one season. So a lot of people did. It's because they put in a lot of new characters, which is fine. But they were clearly trying to, like, introduce characters that were going to replace the Ghostbusters, at least in my memory bank. Now, this is something thanks to Triple Jump that uh, I ended up researching that was pretty crazy in all this. These are all the video games. 17 of them. Yeah, and I, I listed it by, you know, uh, basically the movies and the cartoons. Ghostbusters had Ghostbusters 1984 for NES, Commodore 64, and Atari 2600. It also had Ghostbusters 1990 for Mega Drive, Ghostbusters the video game in 2009 for the DS, PS2, PS3, PSP, Wii, Xbox 360, and the PC, Ghostbusters Sanctum of the Slime from 2011, PS3, Xbox 360, and PC, and then Ghostbusters VR, now hiring in 2017 for PS4 and the PC. They're still making Ghostbusters games. Yeah. Ghostbusters 2 had four games. Ghostbusters 2, 1989 for Commodore 64 and the PC. Ghostbusters 2, 1990, NES and Game Boy. New Ghostbusters 2 for 1990, also for the NES. And then Ghostbusters 2, 1992 for the Atari 2600. That blew my fucking mind that the Atari 2600 still had games coming out in 1992. We are well, and I I think 1992 was the launch year for the Super Nintendo. I think. I don't know, though. Don't. uh, It's somewhere around there. It's a fact. Yeah, now I just said it on the internet. It's a fact. That sounds that sounds right. Super Nintendo was amazing when it came out. Yeah. We're 16 bits. We're like, holy shit, we're going from 8 to 16? Uh, and then we had two video games based on the real Ghostbusters. The real Ghostbusters 1987 arcade. And 1993, they came out with a Game Boy game, which I, I think Ghostbusters 2 came out in 87. So they waited like six years to come out with one for Game Boy. Okay. Now, this is where it gets weird to me personally. So Extreme Ghostbusters, which lasted one season, 40 episodes. Somehow we get five games. One of them is 2001 Game Boy Color. Another one is 2001 PC, and it's called the Creativity Center. It's barely a game. Uh, and then we have one called Zap the Ghost in Are those 2001. Like those educational games that we played in school? I think the Creativity Center is more of an educational. And then Zap Ghost is just a really cheap bullshit game where you zap ghosts. And like, like uh, it's kind of, it was trying to be a first person shooter, but you didn't move. It was just like a still frame mm-hmm. and ghosts are traveling around. Oh, so it's not like Oregon Trail then. Yeah. Uh, no, Oregon Trail actually is a much better game. I, I don't I don't know how to describe it. You'd have to you'd have to watch the gameplay of it. Extreme Ghostbusters Code Ecto One in two thousand two for Game Boy Advance. So this cartoon came out what, nineteen ninety seven? And we've got a game in two thousand two on Game Boy Advance based off of it. Very strange. Yeah, but I had a trailer for it when it was on the Godzilla two thousands. Like it's weird. Trailers. Were they trying to just sell old stock of it? I guess. And then our last one for Extreme Ghostbusters was the Ultimate Invasion in 2004 for PlayStation. Seven years after a failed cartoon came out, a PlayStation game comes out. And I didn't even know PlayStation games were still coming out in 2004. I thought we were on to PS2 by then. That thing was antiquated by then. And that's not even the last game. No, and then we have 
a game which has uh, a, I just went down a rabbit hole with this one. The 2016 Ghostbusters, which failed in every way possible financially, you know, what critics thought, what the audience thought. And even the game that came out in 2016 for PS4, Xbox One, and PC, critics panned the game. This is from Wikipedia. Critics panned the game and considered it one of the worst video games of 2016. The game forced Fireforge Games to close its doors three days after its release. I remember that one being like anticipated. People were excited and talking about it. And then it was just not a good game. Yeah, and then they called it one of the most boring, repetitive, uh, mm -hmm. like multiplayer games that you could find. Yeah, it's uh, like the, this Golem game that just came out. Everybody was super hyped for a, a like Dark Souls type Lord of the Rings, and it is just bad, real bad. I, I just can't believe that it, it forced an entire studio to close three I days. I can't. It's happened many a times, actually. I mean, three days, it surprises me. I've seen it like we're like, oh, they're working on their next game and then they just run out of funding and tear apart. But three days, that's incredible. Just doesn't happen that often. I assume they probably took a huge loan to make the game and then couldn't pay it back, couldn't pay their employees. And they're like, all right, everyone go home. We're fucked. Yeah, there was another studio that did that. They closed like within a week after release. I can't remember the game, but it was like a God of War type game. And everybody was hyped for it. And then it just was awful. And the guy took out so many loans, didn't pay people, was trying to pay them as soon as they all got their money. None of it came through. Uh, and then I listed all the toys here, which, you know, I, I put the original uh, back cover of a toy for the original ones where it shows Peter, Ray, Egon, and Winston all come with their own ghosts. And the original line came with, you could buy a State Puff Marshmallow Man. And the Green Ghost, which I was trying to figure out why it's not called Slimer. Did they not have the name yet? They just said he slimed me. Yeah, I bet he didn't have a name and he didn't have he didn't get a name until the real Ghostbusters cartoon because then they realized what the hell is this ghost's name? I love that blue ghost. The grabber ghost. <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. got his hands up. I guess I could say that Peter Venkman comes with the grabber ghost. Ray Stans comes with the rapper ghost. Egon comes with gulper ghost and Winston comes with chomper ghost. Okay. So they didn't get like super creative with the names there. I'm going to read, I'm going to read the description. Green ghost, the hungriest of all ghosts. He is now on the side of the real ghostbusters. No pizza or donuts is safe when he's around. <laughs> Slimer, it's like they, I think I don't think they realized what a gold mine they had with Slimer. He is kind of like one of the main characters of the cartoon show. Mm -hmm. It's like their little mascot, their little pet that just goes mm -hmm. around. Doesn't he kind of talk like Snarf from the Thundercats? Even that's what I think. Yeah, I, and I, I'm not sure, but I think so. I wouldn't be surprised if it's from the same voice actor. I thought it, yeah, I thought it was like Snarf and uh, Scooby. You know that little refrigerator you've been wanting? Ice cream delivered to the door every day. A crate of donuts. And the diner's club card. Oh, and then I put up a page from a catalog for the extreme Ghostbusters action figures. The only thing that caught my eye in this one was obviously there's slime everywhere because it was the 90s. Everything had to be extreme. Everything had to be gross and crude humor. But I saw the Ecto-1 and I was like, that actually looks like a pretty good toy. I don't. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I don't like the style of the extreme Ghostbusters. I don't think anyone did. No, it's pretty bad. I think they did the same thing with X-Men later on in the 90s, like where they kind of like everything's extreme you're like nah this is stupid <laughs> they skateboard to work that's that period where everyone had to be like gritty and there was like everyone was all sweaty and dirty in every movie the sweaty dirty like portion of the 90s yeah i remember that floating head on everything oh yeah comic sans when they figured out when everyone found photoshop they're like oh we don't have to pay artists to make this we can just like churn these out in someone's basement sweet like this you can blatantly see the photoshop lines around them oh Oh, that's so bad. That's awful. That's a terrible cover. Chris's cover just has the Ghostbusters looking up 
with a cutout of the like New York City in the background. <laughs> it's so bad. Yeah. All right, guys. I think this is kind of obvious, but we're going to move on to recommendations. Brad, do you recommend Ghostbusters 1984? Well, should you never cross the streams? No. What? You no. Do, no. They do, yeah, though. Yes. <laughs> you never cross the streams. Yes, yes, yes. If I'd seen this movie, if I'd never watched this, just watched it for the first time this week, I'd have been blown away. I think you could show this to kids nowadays, teenagers, and they'd still be like, whoa. Other than they might not be able to sit through it because they have no attention span. But uh, even yeah, worse than our generation. Yeah, we didn't have an attention span. We just didn't have cell phones. No, I was actually yeah. watching a movie with my daughter last night, and um, she was getting after me for looking at my phone. She's like, stop looking at your phone. I'm going to throw it in the I'm going to go throw it in the garbage. <laughs> Whatever she got that from. <laughs> Oh, it's so funny when they just repeat shit that they hear from school or TV and you're like, what? <laughs> no, that's that's for me. That's for me where she heard that. Oh, OK. Uh, Chris, do you recommend Ghostbusters 1984? <laughs> yes. Yes, I do. It's a clean sweep. It's obvious. This movie's amazing. If you have lived under a rock for 40 years, go watch it. <laughs> if you were not born, <laughs> you know, if you were born in 2005, who gives a crap? Go watch it. This is amazing. And if you were born in 2005, why the hell are you listening to three old men? Because, <laughs> hey, we're good. There's 15 people now. Well, one day it could be 16. You, you hear these uh, all these advertisements now that we're reading. We're just going to bring this you shit know, in. <laughs> maybe it's kind of cool. Like You remember like the kid who was born like in the 90s who would like be all into the 80s and stuff? Yeah. Maybe we're getting that crowd now. I like these old guys, man. They like practical effects just like I do. <laughs> and they have an old smoky voice. Oh, man, these guys <laughs> are great. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the museum. This is the second time I've had to reclaim my property from you. That belongs in a museum. So do you. This is the part of the show where we go out in the film jungle like Indy and bring something back to our Canadian wing of the museum, even though this could fit in all kinds of wings, but we're going to put it in the Canadian wing. Brad, I already saw that you listed one, so you can go first. Yeah, so I'm going to go with the line when they're in the mayor's office, like, Bill Murray, yes, it's true. This man has no dick. It's one of the best lines in the entire film. It's one of the Bill Murray's best lines ever. He's got a lot of them, too. Chris, what do you got? The song. I'm going with the, the Ghostbusters theme. I would play it right now, but then uh... yeah, we'll get in trouble for something. Yeah. <laughs> well, won an Academy Award. It's a good it's a good one. Yeah, it, I can't believe that that's two uh, <laughs> movies in a row in their Canadian <laughs> theme <laughs> that were in the Oscars. Like, it's nuts. I mean, Ray Parker's won and Blame Canada lost to some guy. I bet I bet Strange Brew got an award somewhere. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Canadian, <award>. Canadian Oscar. <laughs> uh, I'm going to put the proton proton packs in. I, I just think they're very much, you know, so iconic. Dude, you that, go to any convention and you see Ghostbusters all over the place. Dude, that, that sound they make when they turn on. Yeah, that's great. It's a great sound effect. Mm -hmm. uh, and so. the, I love the siren sound effect, too. That's so good. Yeah, it doesn't make me want to pull out my hair when I hear it, like the real sirens do, like yeah. when they're passing you. Yeah. Yeah, how'd they come up with that? That must have been their sound guy just making up something. Like, don't make it sound like a, an ambulance or a police car. Just make it sound something unique. It does sound unique. It, it sounds more European. Like when I watch, you know, like European car movies, uh, I swear that's what their sirens sound like. So I do wonder about that. Uh, I don't have anything else on this. Do you guys have any last words? No. All right. Next week, we're going to be uh, doing some nerd news. We will talk about Dead Format Society. Chris, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> we're on Instagram at Analog Jones Temple of Film. And then we have a Facebook group. Uh, the Instagram is Analog Jones TOF. The Insta All right, man. All right. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to email us, it is analogjones, T-O-F, at gmail.com.
uh, once I eliminate all the trash inside that shit and put everything in the spam folders, we'll actually be able to read your crap because, man, it's fucking annoying how many times we're getting spammed now. It's ridiculous. Hey, hey, do you need help with your podcast? Oh, we'll put you on these blah, blah, blah. No, I don't need help. We're not doing this for money, assholes. And even if we were, you weren't helping. I mean, you should see the broken English in these things. I know, They're I know. so I know. terrible. I just get dick pills all the time because I cut mine off, so. How's that reattachment going, I not good okay <laughs> remember to be kind and rewind what the hell i had so much trouble saying that <laughs> what the fuck <laughs> <laughs>